Hey Thrive Church, it's Pastor Kevin here. I am so glad that you've decided to join us online to listen to our message content. Um, what you're going to hear is from usually myself or one of our uh, communication team members. We actually use a teaching team at Thrive because we're one church in two locations. And so um, on any given Sunday, you're going to see myself or one of our gifted communicators at one of our locations. And this summer, we're actually in a series called Rewind. And what we're doing is taking some of our best message content throughout the years, the past seven years at Thrive, and we're repackaging it just for you so you can get some of the best sermons that you've ever heard at Thrive Church. If you were like me growing up, you had those little VHSs. Yes, I'm, I'm that old. And I used the VHS tape to watch uh, VHSs with. And on there, there was a, a sticker that said, when you rented it, please be kind and rewind. And they would charge you 50 cents if you didn't rewind. And so what we're doing for you is we're being kind, and we're doing a series called Rewind. So this summer, you're getting some of the best messages from Thrive Church throughout the years. Now on to today's message. Um, you've also joined us in a series called Rewind, as you just saw. And here's what we're doing. We're taking some of the best content that you've never heard from Thrive Church. Because um, some of the content here at Thrive has been from four or five years ago that you've been hearing. And some of you weren't here four or five years ago. And today's message is actually taken from a series called Anchored back in 2014. And we had to share that series. We had a lot of great feedback from it. And we wanted to share that with you today. If you have your copy of God's Word, turn to Acts chapter 27. Thank you. She was right on cue with that. You see there? Try to be all smooth. Well, um, we recently built a new home, my wife and I did. And one thing the project manager said was this. He says, what's interesting about a new home is, with the wood that's new, of course, is that the wood is still living and active. That the wood is actually still moving at, at some point. It's still having motion in it. He says, and so, over the next several years, you're going to have cracks in your house. You're going to have nail pops. You're going to have things that are going to happen in your house because the wood is still expanding, contracting. It's still doing those things. It's always in motion. And I'll be honest with you, I had no clue that uh, wood was still living. I thought once you cut the tree down, the tree was dead, right? But it's still moving. It's still in, act, um, in action. And what's funny is our lives are like that. If you think about it, our lives are not static. It, our lives are dynamic. Our lives are always in motion. You always have something going on, right? There's always something in your life. You're like, man, is there always something happening in my life all the time? And one of the keys to our lives is this. It's learning to not let the motion of life, not learning, learning to not let the storms of life take you out of God's plan. And I want to talk to you about that today. And the passage we're going to look at today is in Acts 27. There's going to be a lot of towns and cities. You're going to wonder why in the world would the writer write all this stuff, and why would they preach on that? But here's what's unique about Acts 27. You have the Apostle Paul, who was uh, one of the greatest Christians ever. He planted so many churches, wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. And what was unique about Paul was this. He was a Jew in the first century, but also he was a Roman citizen. And Paul wanted to go to Rome to preach the gospel to the leaders at Rome. That was his ultimate goal. That he knew he would go there and probably end up dying in Rome, which he did, as we know, as history tells us. But on the way to Rome, Luke has a, a companion with him that was a doctor named Luke who actually wrote the book of Acts. And Luke was a detail freak. If you're OCD and detail freak, that's what Luke was. Like, matter of fact, he wrote the gospel of Luke, and he was like, 
hey, listen, I know other guys have written Gospels. I know Matthew and Mark did their best. But he wrote to a guy named Theophilus. He says, but I'm writing to you to give you an orderly account of all the things that I've researched, all the things that I've actually um, carefully documented. And what I love about the book of Acts is this. The Bible is not just, it's not a book of fairy tales. It's a book of history. And Luke joins Paul's journeys around Acts 15 or 16, and he actually documents everything they went through. And in Acts 27, here's what happens. They actually set sail for Rome. Paul's ultimate goal is to get to Rome. He knows that's the thing, that, the last thing that God has for him. And Luke documents what happens. And I want you to look at what happens on their journey to Rome and parallel that with what happens in your life as well. Look at Acts 27 with me if you have your copy of God's Word. Luke writes this. He says, When the time came, we set sail for Italy. And Paul and several other prisoners were placed in the custody of a Roman officer named Julius, a captain of the Imperial Regiment. Aristarchus, a Macedonian from Thessalonica, say that three times fast, <laughs> was also with us. We left on a ship whose home port was Adramidium on the northwest coast of the province of Asia. Yes, I did practice these words all week, if you're asking. It was scheduled to make several stops at ports along the coast of the province. Now watch this here. Verse 3 says, The next day when we docked at Sidon, Julius was very kind to Paul and let him go ashore to visit his friends so they could provide for his needs. Putting out to sea from there, we encountered strong headwinds that made it difficult to keep the ship on course. Do you know, in, in your life, you're going to face strong headwinds that keep it difficult to keep the ship on course. See, many times we believe if God's in something, if God's really in something, you won't face any troubles getting to your destination. We really think sometimes, that, hey, man, if it's God's will, it's going to be easy. There won't be any closed doors. Everything will open up for you. And what you're going to continue to see in this passage, and if you kept reading Acts 27, you're going to see that time and time again that the Apostle Paul, who I believe, again, is one of the greatest believers as far as contributions to Christianity ever, you're going to see that he faced trouble after trouble after trouble, and even him going to do God's will, going to Rome to preach the gospel, is getting knocked off course. Let's keep reading here. It says here, we sailed north of Cyprus between the island and the mainland, keeping in the open sea. And I love what Luke's doing here. You're like, man, why all these cities? Because Luke is carefully documenting history for you. He says, we passed along the coast of Cilicia and Pamphylia. We landed in Myra in the province of Lycia. There, the commanding officer found an Egyptian ship, watch this, from Alexandria that was bound for Italy, and he put us on board. So now here's what happens. They're facing trouble. Man, winds are coming against them. They're blown off course. And here's what the ship's captain says. He says, Paul, Paul, companions, come here real quick. Luke, come here. We've got plan B for you. I know you're off course, but here's your saving grace. We've got a ship that's headed to Rome. It's an Egyptian ship. We're going to put you on it. So Paul and their part thinking, yes, we got a break. God has just rescued us. We're back on course. But let's keep reading to see what happens there. Verse 7 says, we had several days of slow sailing. And after great difficulty, we finally neared Snidus. But the wind was against us. Now watch this. So we sailed across to Crete and along the sheltered coast of the island, past the Cape of Samoa. 
We struggled along the coast with great difficulty and finally arrived at Fair Havens near the town of Lycia. We had lost a lot of time. See, in our lives, we feel the same way, don't we? When you face difficulties and things throw you off course and you're not where you thought you would be, many times we feel the same way that Luke records here. You've lost a lot of time. I want to encourage you, if you feel that way in your life, you're probably in good company because Paul and Luke and his companions felt the same way attempting to do God's will. The weather was becoming dangerous for sea travel because it was so late in the fall. And Paul spoke to the ship's officers about it. Men, he said, I believe there is trouble ahead if we go on shipwreck, loss of cargo, and danger to our own lives as well. And then look at verse 11. But the officer in charge of the prisoners listened more to the ship's captain and the owner than to Paul. If you keep reading on down, they're going to pay for not listening to Paul. I don't know about y'all, but if Paul was on my ship, I would listen to him, right? <laughs> they didn't do that. And verse 12 says this, And since Fair Havens was an exposed harbor, a poor place to spend the winter, most of the crew wanted to go on to Phoenix. That's not Arizona, just, just for reference. Farther up the coast of Crete and spend the winter there. Phoenix was a good harbor with only a southwest and northwest exposure. I want to encourage you today that when you look at this passage, you see all these cities that you'll never probably pronounce or say again, and you look at them traveling from place to place, I want you to parallel that with your life. Because they had a plan. They wanted to go to Rome. That was the destination. And some of you in life, you have a destination of what you want to do. You have a plan. You have a place that you want to be in life. And when you look at their story, their story is just like your story and my story. You're going to face storms. You're going to face the storms of life. And you know what storms really are? I was thinking about that this week as I experienced some storms. And I was very thankful for God for those storms. Somebody say amen in this record heat. By the way, it's going to be, Tuesday it's going to be 75 degrees. If any of y'all post anything negative on social media, I will never speak to you again because I've been praying for this. And Tuesday will be proof that God still answers my prayers. <laughs> but you got to realize what storms are. Storms are a disruption to the normal routine. They aren't the norm. You don't just say, okay, well, unless you live in Florida at 3 o'clock every day, you're going to get a thunderstorm come up. But around here, you look at the weather channel or the weather app, and you're looking, man, will there be a storm? Because it will disrupt your routine. Matter of fact, we have my son and I are on the way home from daycare, and every day he asks the same question, can we go to the pool? And so this week I said, son, I'm not sure. I think I see some, some thunderclouds, and that will dictate whether or not we'll go to the pool. He says, well, is it going to rain? I said, son, I really don't know until we get there. And this week, a couple of times, storms blew up and knocked us off our routine. And the same way in life, I want you to realize that you're going to have storms in your life that are going to knock you off the routine. It's called being disrupted. You're going to have things that interrupt the routines, the plans that you've put in place for life. And many times what happens when we have those storms come up in life, what we do is we allow those storms to blow us completely off the course that God has for us in life. The one thing that is similar about every one of you in here today, you, have, you will all face storms. I've heard it said by the old preacher one time, you've either been through a storm, you're going through a storm, you're getting ready to go through one, amen? <laughs> and that's true for us. And today what I want to encourage you in is this. Here's today's big idea, and if you have your, your connection card, you can actually write this down. 
We must remain anchored in the storms of life. We must remain anchored in the storms of life. So that word anchored there means to be fastened, to be secured, to be attached, to have a firm foundation. If you know a boat with an anchor, when it drops the anchor, it may shift a little bit, but that anchor keeps it from being blown completely off course. Or if it's at a dock, it keeps it from being blown out to sea. It keeps it in the general vicinity which it should be, no matter how rough it gets around it. And what I've seen in Christians' lives, and what breaks my heart, is that so many times we're not expecting storms. And when the storms hit, they catch us by surprise, disrupt our routine, and we never get back on track. Now let me break this down for you. Here's how this works. I know this for a fact, because some of y'all were doing keto in January. And now it's called Fleeto, because it's fleed. Keto is nowhere to be found, right? Or maybe you're doing South Beach diet or whatever that thing was, or P90A, whatever it is. Like, you know, and you're doing something health-wise, and what gets you off? You had a disruption. Something happened. It got you off track, and so you're like, oh, man, I, I was, I was, I was, my destination was this, but I couldn't finish it because I had this disruption. See, this could be financially for you. Maybe you attended a Financial Peace University class, which I would encourage everybody to attend, and you learned about getting out of debt, how to do a snowball effect. And you're like, man, we're going to be debt-free. I'm going to save up that emergency fund. I'm going to snowball these credit cards. I'm not going to be a slave to money. And you're, man, you're doing it. you got your emergency fund saved up. And the moment you get it saved up, the transmission goes out of the car. Right? I mean, seriously. And then you're like, really? And you say, well, I'll get back to that later. And then you continue the route of maybe not getting out of debt. I know this for a fact, too, because this happens in our spiritual life. Like, if you ever reach out to someone, myself or our staff, and they haven't seen somebody or somebody backs off of church life, you know why people back off of church life and their spiritual lives? Because of a disruption. They got hurt by somebody in church. They got offended. Or, or, and they're like, man, I got hurt. And let me just say this. You're gonna, when, when you're dealing with people in churches, you're going to deal with human beings, right? And let me encourage you with this. Never make God pay for what some idiot does to you. I'm saying it one more time. Never make God pay for what some idiot does to you. And some people unintentionally do that. Or in your spiritual life, you have summer happen. Every year, and you'll be hearing about this coming up, we do our fall kickoff. We call it get back in church, get back in the game. Because you know what happens during summertime to your normal routine and rhythm? You've got vacations come up, right? Things happen. And it's not bad. That's a good thing. But many times those disruptions knock us off the course which we're going to, and we usually never get back on track with it. And I want to encourage you today that when storms hit, when disruptions hit in your life, remain anchored to Christ. You may move a little bit. You may have a little motion that goes on, but you're flexible enough to stay on track for what God has for you. Matter of fact, I love when you look at the gospel accounts of storms on the Sea of Galilee. And what's interesting about the Sea of Galilee is, my friend just visited there um, in January, is that storms would blow up any time on the Sea of Galilee without notice. So you could be on a boat, and you couldn't, like, you know, check the weather app to see if the storms come in the first century, number one. But number two, over Capernaum, they would literally just blow over. And three of the gospel writers write about storms, an account of storms that they had with Jesus you know about the one walking in the water, the one where, where, you know, where Jesus was in the boat sleeping, taking a nap? I love that because I tell my wife all the time, Jesus took naps, I do too. 
You have all these accounts of, of Matthew who was there with Jesus. You have Mark who was listening from Peter, and Peter was telling them, and Luke who, who carefully researched, and they all had these stories about storms and Jesus. And what I love about each one of those accounts is this, is that in each one of those accounts with a storm, they all invite Jesus into the boat. And you have two options when you're going through a storm. You're either going to invite the storm into the boat, or you're going to invite Jesus into the boat. And I want to encourage you, if you want to deepen your faith, if you want to be more mature in your walk with God, if you want to say, man, I really want to just, man, be anchored to Christ, you're going to have to allow Jesus to get in the boat with you during storms. Because he wants you to experience his presence when you're going through a storm. See, those disciples knew something about Jesus they didn't know that they would not have had without the storm. We never would have known, as far as we know, Jesus could walk on water and calm the waves and calm the storm if there wasn't a storm. And what blows me away about my life and what's true about your life is this. We all want to see miracles, but none of us want obstacles. We all want to see, like, God do something really cool. Like, do one of those tricks, Jesus. Do something cool. But we don't want obstacles. And let me encourage you about your story. That when you have storms come up and you invite Jesus in the boat with you, we have a written account that people have been reading for thousands of years because there was a storm and somebody had a story about it. Your story of your storm will encourage other people in their journey and their storms as well. And if you're going through one today, invite Jesus in the boat because it's going to deepen your faith. It's going to make you stronger. One thing I read recently about a banana tree is that botanists say, that one of the keys for banana trees to grow and to be effective is wind. That they have to have wind. And without wind, their roots, roots actually don't grow wide enough. And because of the, the heaviness of the bananas, the tree topples over when storms come. And so you and I actually need storms in our life to strengthen our faith, to strengthen our character. Because when you learn how to have resiliency during a storm, When the next storm comes, you're more secured and more anchored. When the next disruption comes in life, you're like, yeah, I was waiting for it. I was ready for that because it's going to happen to us. And so here's what I want to encourage you in. Remember, Monday through Saturday, I'm not with you. Our staff's not with you. And you're going to face storms when nobody's around you that can sometimes spiritually encourage you. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to write this in your notes. Here's your next step. I can't let storms derail me from God's plan for my life. You've got to tell yourself that. I cannot let storms derail me from God's plan for my life. So when Monday through Saturday comes and you're sitting there and you're like, man, this is tough. This is rough. What what am I going to do? You've got to tell yourself, I will not let this storm derail me from God's plan for my life. I refuse to let it Keep me from the place that I want to go in life, whatever that is for you. I refuse to let it keep me from Rome. Paul had a Rome in mind, and you have a Rome as well. And what I want to do this morning is share with you quickly three lessons I've learned during storms. This is, these are things that I have faced when I've gone through storms. You have your notes handy. These are three things you want to write down. And the first is this. To remain anchored when you're going through storms, you've got to think about this right here. Our course Your course, my course, will be altered. Be prepared. Your course will be altered. And I love what Luke records here for us. He says this. 
Acts 27.4, he says, putting out to sea from there, we encountered strong headwinds that made it difficult to keep the ship on course. So we sailed north of Cyprus between the island and the mainland. This ship was blown off course. And if you keep reading Acts 27 and 28, here's the beautiful thing, and I love this. They end up on this island called Malta. Malta was nowhere in Paul's five-year plan, y'all. Like, he wasn't like, yeah, we're going to stop by Malta and hang out and preach the gospel a little bit. Malta was nowhere in sight for Paul. And because of the storms and because of the course being altered, he finds himself ending up on the island of Malta. And here's what happens on the island of Malta. People get to hear the gospel that never heard the gospel before. They get to see Jesus clearly in their lives. Paul gets to preach the message of Jesus to them. He had no plans to do that. Paul was dead set on Rome. And for you, can I encourage you? When you see the ship being blown off course, you're like, God, what are you doing? This doesn't make any sense in my life. There may be the island of Malta for you. There may be people in your circle, in your walk, that you're going to come across that God wants you to share the gospel with them, that they're going to see Jesus clearly because you went to Malta. Can I tell you the truth for me? When I was 30 years old, I'm 40 years old now. I know I look 25. It's okay. I know you're surprised. I saw many of you gasp when I said I was 40. You're very kind. When I was 30, Virginia, Richmond, Virginia was nowhere in my 10-year plan. I was on the beaches of South Florida, y'all. I did reverse retirement. Nowhere. I never would have planned and looked to come to Richmond, Virginia. My only experience with Richmond, Virginia is I played in a punk rock band, and we played in a place called The Hole in the Wall. If y'all know about that, that place is terrible. And I was like, well, that's Richmond, Virginia. I don't ever want to move there. I mean, I was a punk rocker, but that scared me. And that was nowhere in my, in, in my plan for life. I had my own plans, my own goals, and my own And God literally altered my course because he had a Malta for me, and you guys were the Malta. I tell you, I'm so thankful God altered my course. Be flexible with your dreams. I've said this before, that write your vision in pencil, not in pen, because there's going to be adjustments made to it. And when you see yourself blown off course, you're like, God, what are you doing? There may just be the island of Malta waiting for you. There may be that person that you're going to share the gospel with and share the message of Jesus with. Here's the second thing that you've got to understand how to remain anchored during the storms of life. I want you to write this down. The journey is not a straight line. Now, this always sounds like common sense, but when it hits you, see, it never hits home until it hits your home. When it hits you, you're like, what? I thought I was going point A to point B. And let me tell you, just like we we looked at earlier, with Paul, it's going to be for you. You're going to go from point A to point R, back to point M, and then to point U. And then the point D, you wonder, what in the world? I thought serving God was going was glory to glory, you've heard, right? It's A, B, C, D. It's not that. And don't you look at what Luke records in 27, verse 7, about their journey. He says, we had several days of slow sailing, and after great difficulty, we finally neared Snidus. But the wind was against us, so we sailed across to Crete. Along the sheltered coast of the island, past the Cape of Simon, we struggled along the coast with great difficulty and finally arrived at Fair Havens. 
near the town of Lycia. In verse 9, we, have lo- we had lost a lot of time. See, some of you in your life feel like you've lost too much time. Something called regret, which every one of us have. I want to encourage you. I don't care what age you are in here. I don't care where you're at in life. God can make up time in your life. If he can make the sun stand still for Joshua, he can do that for you. And don't live a life full of regrets. You have to forget your regrets so you can move forward in what God has for you. You may say, man, if I just would have made the decision to follow Jesus earlier, if I just would have done this, the journey is not going to be a straight line. There's times you're going to lose time. But as you look at Paul's life, God still had a sovereign plan that he was working out even in storms that seemed like they were against Paul. The journey is not going to be a straight line. And here's the final point I want you to write down this morning. You can't control or change other people. You can't control or change other people. Look at what happens to Paul, which again, he was, if anybody speaks, you should listen. It should be the Apostle Paul. In verse 10, it says this, men, I believe there's trouble ahead if we go on. Shipwreck, loss of cargo, and danger to our lives as well. That's some good advice. If you keep reading, that all happens to them. And Paul, literally, I love it. I love it. Paul's like, told you so. Should listen. If you keep reading, you'll hear say that. But look at verse 11. It says, but the officer in charge of the prisoners listened more to the ship's captain and the owner than Paul. What I've seen so many times is that people let other people affect their relationship with God. One of the things you learn early on in marriage and you learn early on in child rearing and raising children is that you can't control or change other people. Like, matter of fact, when I, when I was in my 20s, I wanted to change the world, right? World changers. And then I got in my 30s, I'm like, man, I can't, I can't change anybody. How am I going to change the world? I can't even change my spouse. But there's one thing I can change, which is myself, and I work on that. But here's what happens. We let our burden for other people become so heavy that it affects our relationship with God. And here's how I know that. Hey, man, how you been doing? Well, I'm sorry I haven't been around. And, man, I just hadn't been really doing good spiritually. Why not? Well, my whatever, spouse, child, friend, brother, sister, aunt, uncle, this happened with that person. And what happens is we let this horizontal relationship with others affect our vertical relationship with Jesus. You can't control or change other people. And some of you right now, what Paul did for those people on that boat, you are doing that for a loved one. You're saying, look, I'm telling you, if you keep on this direction, it's going to be bad for you. And you're emotionally carrying weight in your life because you're trying to warn somebody We see there, when the guy didn't do what Paul said, Paul's like, all right, I'll keep my faith in Christ. He'll take care of me. And we can't let our personal walk with Jesus be affected by other people. We should care for people. We should be passionate for people. And we should pray for other people. But don't ever let it affect your life. Don't ever let it throw you off course. Don't ever have roller coaster faith because somebody is affecting you. And so many times we don't remain anchored in the storms of life because we so badly want to control or change other people. And can I tell you something? 
I'm going to tell you anyway, whether or not you say yes or no. God can't change or control anybody unless they open their heart to him. And some of you are mad at God because he won't do something. It's not his fault. You're praying for that person. You're interceding for that person. And when they're ready, those prayers are coming to effect in their life. But God did not create robots. He created individuals with a free will. And so you and I, what we have to do is not let what those people do affect who we are in Christ. And Paul didn't let that either. And this morning what I want to do is some of you are going through that today. Some of you are facing storms. You've had some disruptions happen in your life. And you're finding it hard to remain anchored. And what I want to do, if you will, I want to pray for you this morning. Will you pray with me? Let's pray. God, we come to you this morning and we ask for strength. We ask for perspective. And we ask for courage, God, right now in the middle of the storm that we're going through. What the enemy of our souls would love, God, is for us to be thrown off course, to give up on the destination that you have for us. That's what the enemy of our souls would love to do. God, we ask right now that you would strengthen us by your spirit. Help us to remain on course for you. And I pray, Father, for resilience in every person in this place today. And as we're praying today, church, and in a mode of just prayer, in a sacred moment, maybe today is the day that you want to give your life to Christ. Maybe you had some disruptions happen in your life. Maybe you had some offense happen. You were hurt by people. Maybe you were hurt by the church. Maybe you walked away from your faith because of disruptions. And you know that today is your day to give your life to Christ, to come back to faith in Christ. Or for the first time ever, you're going to finally surrender and submit your life to Christ. Right now where you're sitting, I want you to simply make this confession of faith, pray this prayer after me. You say, God, I admit that I cannot save myself. I admit that I am a sinner. But I believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. I believe that he died on the cross and he rose again on the third day to wash away my sins. Today, God, I turn from my sins. I repent. And I receive your son Jesus as my Savior. I receive the full forgiveness of sin today. Thank you, God, for the cross. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for making me right with you. In Jesus' name that I pray, amen, amen. You know, every week, every month, we get connection cards saying I made that decision for Jesus, and then three times a year, we get to see people put that in action with baptism. Will you put your hands together for everybody who made a decision for Christ today? Isn't that awesome? Amen.